Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poulin. Joining me, John Duke, as always. And, dude, I freaking hate August. I'm just going to be honest (laughs) with you. August stinks. August stinks because, yeah... You know, we're right, right around the corner is training camp, right? It's right around the corner. There's not a whole lot of new meat. We do have a few things to talk about, but you know, we're, we're going to talk about Cedric Maxwell and Celtics beat with Adam Kaufman and, you know, essentially what I'm going to call manufactured drama. Like this is what we got to do in August. This is what we have to do in August, but we do get some sneak peeks at the schedule. We're going to lead with that. We'll talk about Jalen Brown and his comments, expecting to be playing in June and having a shot at the title and feeling underrated, and I happen to agree with that. Last year, I think I predicted 55 wins with a healthy squad, so look at that. Um, now they're going to bring back two players that are absolutely exceptional and younger players that, I mean, I remember this time last year, we started arguing about the rotation and whether or not they had any depth, and, you know, turns out, um, you were wrong, and you were wrong. Oh, well, <laughs> glad we put it that way. I know it was totally foreseeable. Holy crap, man. No, I told you, though. I told you that it was a lot. Oh, I know you did. Team. Justin's right. John's wrong. Like, come on, I man. I, to- I did say that that team was deeper than you realized, and they definitely proved it in the win column. And and they got severely injured across the board. Oh. Yet the depth was there. The rotation was there. Here's the other thing, though. I even got the rotation right, except we only really got to see it for about the first six minutes. But, you know, I had said that Brown and Tatum would be in the starting lineup, and there was some question marks about that. I think that's what we're going to see again this year, and I do think the team is deeper than ever just based on the fact that the players got plenty of run. One thing with the schedule, though, considering we're kicking it off against Philadelphia with LeBron going to the West Coast, it's pretty obvious they want to tout these two rebuilding teams, rebuilding in different ways, young teams with some pretty staunch fan bases, I might add. Philly's got a pretty strong fan base. Boston's got a pretty strong fan base. They're all right close by each other in the Northeast. So, 
You know, not if the Knicks were good. It's not like Yankees, Red Sox, where in Connecticut you clash the fan bases in this meld of opposition. Uh, you don't quite aren't quite that close, but the but the cities are pretty close. Uh, and uh, I would say it's a nice one <laughs> having this be the potential future sort of head to head and leading it off that way is smart. And I think it'll be. I think I think opening night will be a lot of fun, and and you know I hope it goes a lot like it did in the postseason. Yeah, I th- I'm glad they they started with Philly. I, I don't think I'm not so keen on having both marquee games early in the season be against Philly, but not because uh, I'm worried about the Sixers getting the better of the Celtics. But I just you know I like to see different matchups and and see different uh, different ways for the teams to line up, and you know maybe that's. I would suspect part of what forced that uh, the Christmas Day game in particular is a desire to really see uh, the Celtics be able to play closer to home and Philly play closer to home with the holiday. So, and 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 you look at the 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 uh, Warriors and the Lakers, probably the same idea. You stay on the West Coast. They're not exactly close as close as Philly and Boston are, but you know that's probably what the NBA is trying to do. I just you know I'm glad they're doing it. I wonder if the Celtics will actually start the lineup that you would like because if you're going to play against Philly, aren't you going to put Horford on Simmons and <laughs> the big boy, uh, all of Australia, Aaron Baines on uh, Mr. Mouthy? Uh, Who are you Joel putting on the bench? I mean, Who are you on the bench? I, I don't Just care. I don't, I don't care. care. I don't, I'm not asking somebody. you. I, fine. I don't care. Or Brad Stevens, fine. predict. Who's going What's to the fine? bench for Baines? Tell me. Well, tell me. Tell me how Gordon Gordon Hayward looks after his first training camp. Then I'll. Then I can tell you the answer. Oh, tell me somebody isn't going to hurt themselves uh, like like. like uh, okay, did. never mind. I mean, never mind. No, no, well, you no, are, you, you're legitimately. I would, right now, I'm calling a major foul. You're already <laughs> predicting injuries before the season starts, and that those injuries happen before the season starts. Right there. That's just taboo. That's some bad juju. <laughs> oh, come on. That's the last year. Does it matter? Might... No, no, no. We're going to suspend you. We're going to suspend walk... you from selling stuff live for six weeks. You could walk under every ladder, break every fine. window, and not have anything nearly as bad as what happened last year. I it agree. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. It does matter. The so whole point was Celtics just... are immortal. No. Hospital Celtics is not what we want this year. We lived through it. It was an underachieving team. It was a great way to deal with some disappointment, but it's not what the fan base wants whatsoever. That's bad, Juju. You're paying uh, fine. You got a six-week suspension. I'm handing it down from the league office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. That bad Juju is no good. And you, and you only used it to dodge the question. The, I mean, no, just because you're wrong. They're no, not going to start. They're not going to fall. Why Every, fine, fine, but that's not the question. Fine, you're right. It's not the and, question. No, it no, is that's the question. question. No, that is my question. I'm saying right now, you, fine, you're right. They're not going small in game one. Yeah. Who's going to the bench? Hayward looks healthy. Kyrie is healthy. Everybody's healthy. World's I'd, perfect, I'd, just like it started last year. Who's going to the bench? I'd sit at Brown. So you're going to put Hayward at shooting guard? Yeah, maybe. I mean, who's he going to Maybe It's yeah. either Tatum or, or Hayward. Yeah, probably. I mean, have him chase around. I mean, maybe you don't want him chasing around Hayward. I mean, I, yeah, I probably would. 
I'm not worried about the I'm not worried about the defense in that game. I absolutely think you go small, and I think you try to bring everybody out, space the crap out of it, shoot the lights out. If if the if they're not shooting hot and they're not passing well, you make an early sub for Baines in that case. But I think you absolutely go small, just like you did the beginning of last year, and you try to force your will on other teams offensively. I mean, I get what you're saying. I see the defensive liability potential, but I also look at it on the other side that, man, if, if they can play some sound defense, know that they're going to give up some mismatches, but any of those misses, they start running the other way. And remember, they're not really – Philly still isn't spacing the floor all that well. It's just J.J., so you're going to want Brown out there. If you put Brown on the bench, you're giving up a different matchup potentially. Yeah, so, but who are, your, who are their best players, though? I mean, their best players are, if it's not Simmons and it's not Embiid, who's who's going to beat you? Folks? Well, if it's not Simmons and it's Embiid, Redick? then it's Redick. That's the, that's the number three. But that, and that's, but, and that's my point. You're, you're only, you're only having my point. If you, yeah, but if you're letting the third best player on their team beat you, supposedly, I think that's a win for the Celtics, right? And, and by beating you, you're saying, well, I'm going to put an all-star swingman on uh, a 6-1 shooting guard who has to run off screens to get his offense. I mean, frankly, I'll take that trade-off as opposed to letting Embiid show, you know, what he did uh, against Horford and try to have, you know, Tatum or, or Hayward, who hasn't played in, in exactly 12 months, to try to guard against Simmons. I, to me, that just seems like you're asking for too much. Don't don't overthink it. I totally think to Tatum, nah, nah. Tatum can handle Fine. Remember, they're not shooting from the outside. You know what I mean? So yeah, you can, what's you he can pack do? the de- But my point is you can pack the defense down a little low. Go ahead and let Embiid go off a little bit. You, you pack the defense off. off of the shooters? Yeah. So you, leave leave J.J. Redick because Tatum isn't going to be able to keep Simmons in front of him. I think Brown will be able to recover just fine. Well, I, you got to remember that – and this, this is my point. I'm not saying they're not going to score and they're not going to expose a mismatch. My point is I'd rather have us just destroying them on offense. I mean, just think about the three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. Kyrie, Hayward, uh, even Horford, right? And he may not even have to. You might be feeding him crazy in the post potentially. But seriously, that starting lineup, everybody can shoot threes. Every single one of them can shoot threes. What they really should be looking at this season is how do they work the backdoor cut with Brown? I mean, he's so good in the post, right? And he's a threat from the corner, but that's the, that's where you start that backdoor cut. If you've got everybody else spaced out beyond the arc and they can all shoot threes, I mean, cutters galore there because there's enough athleticism. And then they can, they can even kind of get that mid, mid range going where, you know, Tatum sets up at the elbow, that whole Paul Pierce, you know, Harold, you'll go back to that and, ISO him a little bit. I just think there's so much offense to be generated. If you come out in game one and you throw up a cool 20 points in six minutes, and it's doable, right? If they're hot from outside and the shots are falling and you just smack them in the mouth that fast and stake a lead, then you bring in Baines because the team's frustrated, right? They might be even, they might be exposing, you know, the, the defensive liability. But if you come out and just throw up crazy points super fast, Hit him in the mouth and then bring in Baines and try to frustrate and beat from there. I think that's a winning combo more than bring out, you know, Baines and Philly keeps hanging in there. And then you start working into your rotations and, 
you know, maybe somebody gets hot, maybe not. I'd, I'd rather see Kyrie just dribble the crazy, crazy all over the place, get the ball movement going, hit shots from outside, have those guys all over place on defense so they're tired out. And then that way they don't want to wear them out. You know, on offense, they, they start to get worn out. I think the defense almost plays itself a little bit in those, in that starting lineup if you're just killing them on offense. I think we're going to see how that team, how they mesh in preseason. I think that's going to play a big role in what happens. Um, you know, we never got a chance to see what that team looks like, right, together. We did see what Baines looks like with with the others, minus Hayward. And, you know, there's a reason why he was the top net rating guy in the whole league. It wasn't because, you know, he's big and he's all of Australia. He he had a tangible impact next to Horford, yes, on the floor with with. Kyrie, yes, but but that in particular, we saw that against Philly in the playoffs, the the value of having a big body, and obviously then what that meant for allowing Horford to to range and do a lot of different things out there, as opposed to take that beating. Um, I think fully Horford's on the court, and that that lineup that we're talking about closes the game. But to me, to start. I'd rather have Baines out there and, and to do really what you talked about a lot last year, which is to stagger some of these minutes, uh, with guys like Hayward and, and so forth. So that way you are always having scoring on the floor. You're not going into the, um, you know, a second unit where we certainly saw that, that Rozier struggled, uh, you know, on, on the road, uh, you know, and, and allow for more of a veteran scorer to join that, that second unit and let, and let him run. But look at the second, but look at the second five. You know what I mean? If, if you start my lineup, you've got Baines, Morris, Smart, Rozier, and Tice. And I know that's where you get hung up, right? Is the Tice Baines. That's why you want to put Baines in is because you want to rotate Tice into that. You know, without having the two of them, but, but I think, you know, that's, you're down to the 10th man when you get to Tice. And, you know, I think they have to make, I think they're ultimately, if you just take talent on the team, top eight, nine, Tyson Baines, great players, situational will get minutes, but I think they're essentially playing for the same minutes and it depends on matchups for the two of those guys. I mean, I love Baines and I'm glad he took a hit and everything else, but, but you just, you got to respect what Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart and Rozier, uh, have to offer, you know, off the bench. And, and they basically fill in that one through, you know, three, four, you know, cause we'll see Morris at the four a little bit, mm-hmm. but they, but they, you know, they cover that one through three range. So yeah. yeah, I know they're not deep on the big man rotation, but I think you, I think you, I think you go small for that reason. I, well, I, I Possibly, I, I, I don't. First of all, I don't. Brad doesn't do eight nine, right? He, I mean, he's he's going to play ten eleven, especially in the first half of the year. He, we're going to have a lot. Of this, this is going to be a deep rotation. Ojale is going to be in games. I mean, they're going to spread this. I don't out. know. This ten eleven every game though. That's that's where you it's get a lot it. though. It's a lot. He's always if they, get, if they get leads. No, he, he's always done it. I mean, he's like Larkin. We saw Larkin way more than we really should have based upon talent. But the fact is, is that he likes to stretch, stretch that out. And thank goodness he did. Thank goodness he didn't listen to me in the preseason and say he doesn't have a bench and listen to you and said, okay, well, then we can play these guys. You know, and he stretched it out. That's why I think – you know, you may be right that, that they do go small, but, but then it also creates some problems there with trying to spread it out. And, 
I don't know. I mean, I look at, I look at, I guess Hayward is the one I'm particularly looking at is what is his lateral movement? I mean, you know, we saw some stuff on Instagram the other day where he was working on his lateral quickness. If his, if his, if his defense isn't there, that's going to be the easy move, right? That's going to be easy. You, he's the sixth man. He comes in and, and he does does that role, and he could fit that to a T. Does a little bit of everything, but defensively, maybe he doesn't quite have the quickness just yet. We don't know. We don't know what he's going to look like. I have more more faith in Kyrie coming back and looking like his old self than I do Hayward. But I don't think Hayward. I don't think this is like a, an ACL. This isn't like a. Um, you know, an Achilles, you know, this no, is I think a, the bigger issue there is going to be confidence, confidence sure, in the ankle. Sure. I mean, I, I get it Find all out. off season, you know, he's working on it and, you know, he's walking around, everything feels great, yeah. but there's just something I think that's going to, you know, be about getting back on the floor and, and there's going to be confidence in the ankle and that's a hard, I think that'll be a hard thing to get back into. Do I think he's going to do any alley-oops this season? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. I, mean, I think the alley oops are gone. I think that was a showtime. I mean, I think that was just like, let's come out, you know, and Kyrie and everybody, let's punch the bully in the mouth. You know, this is the team I just left. Like, the first game of the year, let's give them something to see. And, uh, you know, I th- I, but I don't know that we would have seen alley oops all year long from Kyrie to, to Hayward. I, I don't think that that was going to be a big staple in that offense. I don't know. I mean, that was a play he ran in, in Utah, which was part of the reason why I think they, he was running it for him, trying to make him feel comfortable. But yeah, I mean, in the end, it was definitely something of, uh, here we are. We're going to, we're going to make a statement here. It was a close game. You know, I'm going to let Cleveland know I'm here. <laughs> You know, and, and I don't, you know, I don't think that there was anything malicious intended by it. It's, it's more of just that competitive fire going, but. No, that's what I mean. It was a big, you know, the lights were on. I yeah. just, but I, but I don't expect to see that a lot in, in there. I mean, how not many this alley, year. I, not this year, but how many alley oops do you ever really see the Celtics do? I mean, there's yeah, some, not yeah, not but not many. And their athleticism is there. I mean, you can't tell, you can't tell me that. That they couldn't run plays for Jalen Brown on alley oops and expect him to finish. You know what I mean? Like as long as he beats his man, as long as the the door the opening is there, I just don't think they run a lot of them. I'm not saying they're completely absent, but I think it's more that you know Kyrie, you're kind of calling the yeah. shots. It's in the playbook, and you know it's something that the floor general calls out here and there. But I don't think it's something that they spend a lot of time on in practice. I could be wrong, but you know you're vulnerable no, when no, you're I don't up there. No. You're vulnerable when you're yeah. up there. I, th- I think it's more in pick and roll situations. I think Smart really is probably one who do- did it as many as often as anyone in in pick and roll situations and finding the roll guy. You know, you wouldn't see Kyrie probably but you're already behind the defender in that case. You're not even. That's at what risk. I'm saying. Yeah. Well, totally. yeah. But I agree. That's what I mean. It's, and it's that's not what that play was. Different dynamic. Right. Was that, well, that's, that's what I was going to say. The Hayward play that wasn't that play. That right. wasn't the pick and roll. No. That was, so, so you're right. I, I, I do think there's plenty of space for it in the pick and roll mm-hmm. once you get around the man. Yeah. Uh, but I think otherwise, I think it's a dangerous play and I think but, they're going to avoid it in general. But to your point though, earlier, which is like Jalen Brown and, and wanting to see more backdoor cuts from him. That's, that's kind of the play right there, man. You know, like that's the, if that can be the devastating weapon for him. And, and I think you're right. That's where, you know Kyrie's going to have the ball. You know Gordon's going to have the ball. You know Horford's going to have the ball. They're going to be making plays. 
And if you're off ball, you got to find ways to be a threat. And we know that that Tatum is going to have that gravity. Players are going to be drawn to him. Who's the player who doesn't have the gravity? Who's who's not drawing a defender to them as closely as everyone else? Obviously, it's Jalen. So let's yep. see what happens. And we know he's got a high high opinion of what this team can do, right? Well, that's a great transition. First, I'm just going to remind everybody you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. And I will tell you, and this is really no feat at all. It's, um, it's almost embarrassing, but you know, I have not cracked the 1000 mark on Twitter followers yet, John. I am <sighs> finally at, I've, I've made it to 999. Lost one, probably a bot. I'm down to nine nine eight, but I am oh. right there, hoping to crack one k. So I'm, I've been behind the eight ball in Twitter followers, but it, it probably has a, a lot to do with just not quite enough activity. You, on the other hand, have well over a thousand followers yeah. at CSL underscore Duke. Keep chalking up that tally. The entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media. Facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. Finally, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Media for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews and the garden report uh, and the round table. And then, obviously, on the app, you will be able to listen to not our next uh, topic of conversation, but the one that's sitting on deck, you can listen to Celtics beat and Adam Kaufman's interview with Maxwell. If you haven't already Cedric Maxwell or Max, as he's fondly called, um, you can listen to that and, uh, and then catch the third sort of segment of the show. But let's, let's talk about Jalen Brown. He's got high hopes for this squad. He expects to be playing in June. It's almost more than expects. He's almost exuding a very, very high level of almost arrogance, I would say, John. Uh, yeah, and I that's certainly not something his coach would have suggested he say, but he did, and he laid it out there. And unlike uh, a previous uh, guest on, on uh, C.J. McCollum's podcast, he didn't actually end up having a battle with him over the answers that he gave. But yeah, he said, you know, look, we're going to the finals. This is happening, you know, and I, I respect him for his, uh, his optimism and, and, uh, you know, a certitude, I guess, in, in his opinion. I, I, I agree with him. <laughs> well, look, I mean, you know, I think without LeBron, I think everyone is giving him, I don't know if they're giving them a pass, but they're certainly looking and saying, well, yeah, they're in that spot. You know, they're they're the best. They're the king of the of the. It really should be. I mean, the Kawhi Leonard thing is really up in the air. You know, that could be a big win for them. Um, I I'm still putting it on the thirty five to forty percent. It's a success, and twenty percent. It's a huge, overwhelming win that pays off even in the off season. Um, but I, I, it's a. We've talked about it before. It's a positive. It's a solid, calculated risk, and one that allows a franchise to, you know, proverbially crap or get off the pot, right? So that's where they're at. I, I actually applaud the move. So outside of that, and that's game two, right? So they play the first game against Philly, like we talked about. Game two is going to be against Toronto. It's pretty clear how the league sees it and how Vegas sees it. Those are the top three teams in the East. LeBron's out of the way. It does make perfect sense after the Celtics had great success against Philadelphia with a not healthy squad. And then looking at the potential gamble that is Toronto and 
really the Celtics have no excuses for not being there. So on the other hand, Jalen's just kind of put the pressure on themselves and saying, we got to see what we're made of. You know, we got to get this group in here. It's really incumbent on us to be able to maintain chemistry. The question is, as you, you know, would expect, and, and this is why I also think they go small. At some point, they're going to be damaged egos on this club. You know, when, if they, if they were able to re-sign everybody, there's going to be guys sitting on the bench that just aren't going to be comfortable with it. You know, yeah. I think we can all agree Terry Rozier is the backup plan next offseason. If they don't sign Kyrie, they sign Rozier. If they do sign Kyrie, Kyrie, then Rozier's going to go. I mean, on his own. They're just not going to be able to sign him. He's, you know, well, there's yeah. the whole restricted thing, but even they if, could, if they do, it'll be short term. They won't sign him long term. Right. By committing, unless they trade Marcus Smart, by committing four years to Smart, you know, it is what it is. I do believe though that Marcus is comfortable with a six man role and because of his shooting abilities, almost kind of understands he has to be, but also knows that he can be in the closing lineup. He knows he can impact games. He knows he's crucial. So he wanted a, a fair contract. I think it's mostly fair. I don't, I think the Celtics didn't have to give him that, but I think they did for a multitude of reasons, you know, loyalty, um, tradeability, you know, a lot of different things there. So they have the flexibility, but if they were really to just keep all of these players at some point, there is going to be some frustration on the bench. And that's where I think there is potential for there to be chemistry issues this year. And if they don't go over 60 wins, we'll be able to point at one of two things, injuries again or chemistry issues because of exactly that, not enough minutes to go around. Yeah, I, I, that, that could very well be. I, I think a couple of things will – couple tools in in Brad Stevens toolbox that he'll be using one is he's going to keep those minutes down for for Horford Kyrie and Hayward I mean I think those guys are going to play a lot fewer minutes than maybe we might suspect for a big three uh you know to, to go back to our old 2008 days you know the, the, when the team didn't have the Garnett Pierce Allen on the floor it wasn't quite the same team the Celtics, this Celtics crew is going to play, I bet probably they're playing around 30, 32 minutes for those guys for much of the year, which is going to open up opportunities for a lot of players. You know, guys like Ojale and Tice, you know, those kind of 9, 10, 11 players, maybe Wanamaker, um, all those guys are going to have opportunities. I think surprising number of opportunities because that's the way Brad does things. Injuries will dictate somewhat, but I do think that there will be times when you know, we saw this last year where he'll just say, look, we're not going to play Horford. Horford's out. You know, he, he's, he's going to sit this game, you know, and there'll be enough of those, I think, sprinkled through this, through the calendar where the Celtics will be able to, to get the rest they need. We're not going to have the injuries, even though the, the juju or whatever, you know, bad hocus pocus or whatever it is that we were talking about earlier. I think they're going to, he's going to pick and choose those times. Seriously, um, fine and suspension. Fine and suspension. Yeah. Okay. You must be punished. I must be punished for these, these I'm crimes. pretty sure. Listen, everybody out there, all of our followers at CSL underscore Justin, at CSL underscore Duke, at CSL underscore tweet live. Talk to me. I, I'm telling right? The ban has to be on. He's no. just like, no, John, That's, no, you it's not be talking about this. Listen, all you we went through this year. After all we went through this year, that there is nothing. Precisely why we don't want to go through it again no, next it's, year. It's impossible. This is not it's impervious. Impossible. This is it's not. Impossible. Oh. It doesn't occur. It doesn't happen. 
It can't happen. I mean, I would love to say, you know, I had that kind of power. I just don't. What happened to hospital Celtics last year, it, it cannot do, be duplicated. It cannot be imitated. It's, uh, it's its own special thing. Thank God. <laughs> let it, let it rest. Let it die. All healthy, all year, 70 wins. Let's go, baby. You know, I mean, the, the word, it's pedal the metal. Um, Weird. It's weird. Yeah. And, and, but I, I don't mind Jalen saying that the, the East is wide open. The West, not so much. Um, look, let's, I, if, if it were closer, that'd be one thing. And I, I think, you know, we talk, a lot of people are saying, well, Toronto's going to be this, Toronto's going to be that. We don't know what Toronto's going to be. I agree with no, you. you. We can't. don't know. No. Boston no, is the most could, obvious honestly, number one. Crazy. It's crazy to think, and they will have a, a stellar defense in Toronto. But it is possible that they're the fourth seed, mm-hmm. even even potentially the fifth. Most likely, I think that I think they actually, you know, they'll they'll battle Philly. It really kind of depends. You know what I mean? I, but I I think they'll be the two seed, but very easily could be the three. But you know what? We don't even know what Milwaukee's going to do. Honestly, right? Like, my, no, they could be really tough. Yeah. You know? I think Bud is going to be tough. I think he's a really good addition. The coach said I think he's going to change the whole mix of things. But they also made a lot of weird signings. And and the way that their cap sheet's kind of laid out, they're in a spot where they could – this could be it. Like if they don't make a huge leap this year, things are going to start falling away. Middleton's yeah, the pressure's on. on. Yep, Pro- pressure's on. has got money. And then if they don't resign, then you know Giannis has got one foot out the door when he's a free agent, I think, two years from that. So – so there's there's a lot riding on this year for the Milwaukee Bucks. So we'll say yeah, I I think they are comfortably in that three four range. I think it's going to be Boston, it's going to be Toronto, and then Philly. Maybe I mean Philly could honestly Philly could drop out of this. Philly could could fall down to fifth. Milwaukee and Indiana could could leapfrog them. You know I think we're yep. we're kind That's of possible. We're and you're right about Indiana. Indiana. Indiana was a surprise last year. Mm-hmm. And now they've got a year with that team and that chemistry building. They they definitely could continue to move up, and they got a little bit younger in a way. I mean, yeah. did some good signings. They did. They I did like some free agency. Yeah. Yep. So, so I, I, all right, let's yeah. let's 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 move on from that. We'll we'll preview we'll preview the standings maybe in two weeks from now. And just so everybody knows, we're going every other week till we get through these August doldrums. Although. On to the last topic. I can't believe we were actually able to do about 30 minutes on what we've done already. That's pretty impressive. But on to the final topic. We have Adam Kaufman's Celtics beat. Cedric Maxwell hops on there and then creates really what I would consider a, a I'm just going to say it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a disgusting even comparison or debate to get into. Yeah. Like you just can't and I and, and I don't say this with disrespect to either because John, you know how fond of KG and his mentality I am, right? But I would still rank Pierce above KG for the same reason that I don't think this debate is even fair because KG didn't spend his whole career with the Celtics and Larry Bird did. And so I'm sorry guys, and and I know it extended beyond even Maxwell wasn't the only one. Are we just ranking the player, KG, over the duration, regardless of his tenure? Are we including time in Minnesota and Brooklyn in that debate? Like, I get it. They won a championship. 
but Larry Bird was Captain Clutch. And he spent his entire career with the Celtics. And so if we're going to take Celtics who had great careers, who once donned a Celtics jersey, then I'm going to put Shaq in the top three. <laughs> well, look, I mean, there's a bit of recency bias with all this. And and let's be fair. I mean, as you No, said, it's I a love generational. It's an intentional it generational. Oh. That's it. Like that's right. That's like media baloney manufactured. Yeah. yeah, but but it's not. It's generational recency bias, like versus the old school. But it's mm-hmm. still. It's it, you. You would have to go Pierce versus Bird, but they know they can't do that. As great as Pierce was, they know they can't do that. But mm-hmm. Garnett, they can do it with. The problem is, is what you really need to say is, if Pierce and KG were actually one person, would they be better than Larry Bird? Right, because you've got to have both factors. You've got to have tenure in the organization, and you have to have the ability to totally change and impact culture and attitude. And that's why that's that's what they had in common, right? Larry was tough as nails, mouthy as hell. You know what I mean? That part they had in common. Larry gets the cake because he was here for his entire career. And 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 if you're going to ask me. Does Kevin Garnett, in the duration of his entire career, including Minnesota time, match up against Bird? Absolutely he does. I think there's a debate there. But if you're saying best Celtics, no, there's no debate. Larry spent his entire time in a Celtics jersey. He was in show the era of showtime. The whole Celtics-Lakers rivalry, as much as it was renewed to some degree in 08 through 12 or 11, you know, that was a great time. But it wasn't what really took the NBA to, you know, really made basketball global, made it entertaining. Like there's more to this pie from what was going on in the league itself that contributes to this this conversation as well. So it's not only recency bias, it's also nearsighted. Well, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to talk about who said what, uh, but, you know, so – on NBC Sports Boston, they kind of, you know, Max relays this and, 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 you know, they had a conversation and, and they were ranking them and they said, well, one's got to be Bill Russell, right? Cause he's, you know, the greatest defensive player in the NBA history. Two, obviously, is Garnett. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and then, they say and, that. Right, they, they say number they, two is. I don't understand. I don't understand how Kuzi's not in that conversation. Well, right no, there but it's all, all around. So the, the argument is, is like you said, it's this defense and offense, the mix of the player. You're know, good on this end, good at that end. You makes you a better all around player. And and then Havlicek was was third on on. Uh, well, yeah, Kyle Draper. Kyle Draper had had Havlicek third, and then he had Bird fourth, and Max had Bird third. Listen, okay, Larry Bird, let's, let's talk about Larry Bird. Okay, school's in session, folks. School's in session. Larry Bird was a three-time all-season Is this your attempt player. to come off of suspension and no, not have no. no, 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 no. listen, listen. Larry Bird is a third, three-time all-defensive team player, okay? This is not like, oh, he's just some guy. Three-time MVP, right? When you go back to uh, defensive win shares, okay, all time, Celtics. Number one is Bill Russell. Number two is John Havlicek. Now remember, John Havlicek played 17 seasons. Larry Bird, third, 59 win shares. Okay, Paul Pierce, fourth, 56. Now, 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's but, a surprising but, one. I'm mean, not saying Paul wasn't a, a, a decent defender, but like early in the career, just, right. I mean, maybe that's the Jim O'Brien era coming well, out you get, in the stats. You got 15, you got 15 seasons, right? Healthy for a majority of that one season where you only played 30 games. Uh, you know, Bird had 13 season, but obviously missed one entirely with the ankle, uh, with the, the Achilles bone spurs, and then the back really wrecked the last two seasons. So, Russell was really healthy throughout his 13 years. But so this is the, the one that you kind of, when you look at these amalgamations of what's, what makes a good defense, good offense, right? Okay. So win shares per 48, which is defense and offense, right? Number one is easy Ed McCauley going back to the fifties, talking about your, your, you know, eras impacting things in a small career. Isaiah Thomas is number two. Isaiah wow. Thomas. Wow. Number three, Larry Joe Bird. Number four, Bill Russell. Five, Kevin Garnett. So that's a good, you know, indicator of, okay, win shares per 48. Now, of course, you can say, well, Isaiah played, you know, only three seasons. Bird had 13. McCauley had, I think, five or six. Garnett had eight or nine. You know, you can, you can compare Bird, Russell, Garnett in that order, right? Box plus minus. Bird, Larry Bird, 7.2. Next person, Isaiah, four. Uh, value over replacement player, Larry Bird, 79.7, then Paul Pierce, then Robert Parrish, Mikhail, then on we go. It is a complete joke, a complete joke, anyone out there for to pick anybody other than Larry Bird or Bill Russell. I'm sorry. I love Kevin Garnett. I love what he did here. He did not have to carry anywhere near the offensive weight that Larry Bird did. He didn't have to carry the weight that Kevin McHale did in the years of 86. As a matter of fact, it was a criticism during during Garnett's tenure. Yes. Why did he keep going to the baseline fadeaway? Why does he keep going to the baseline fadeaway? Right. Why don't we see him stuff it down their throat, right? Why is he deferring to other scorers? And, I mean, it made sense in many ways to have Ray Allen and Paul Pierce shoot the ball and for him to focus on defense. And I get that. But when you combine what I said earlier, the fact that he didn't don the Jersey the entire time and man, I struggle with this because it bothers me because of how much I appreciated Garnett's stay, you know, and, and is he one of like, if we were ranking favorite players, Sure. He's definitely up there. He's done. And he's, and, and probably for me, he is above bird just because, you know, I got to see it firsthand. You know what I mean? But none of that is statistical or reality or even in the context of what this debate was set up as, right? And that was, right. you know, that's really what you're saying is the debate is best two-way player. Best it, player that, to right. And so then you, really just, then you really just go to plus minus. I mean, I don't know that you really, I mean, for a, for, for taking enough of a sample size, plus minus to me says it all. Especially right. when you're comparing teams that were in the postseason year after year, like that Paul Pierce plus minus is actually a little skewed given the fact that there was a long time there. I mean, just look at the plus minus from the season right before the, the trade for Ray Allen and, uh, and the, and the trade for, for Kevin Garnett, right? You know, that team was so bad without Paul. It was ridiculous. Um, and, and well, that's, and that right there is skewed. But when you talk about bird, that team was a playoff team every Every single season he donned a jersey. Right. And so that plus minus is even more impacted by competitive nature and, and, and the depth and capability of the other players on the team. For him to have that number, that says everything. Well, and take, you know, and, and this, you know, this is his first season, but 
the, there's a reason why the Celtics have the single greatest turnaround of any team in NBA history in 79-80. You know, it wasn't because, you know, oh, we got ML Carr. Well, that's great. No doubt. You had Maxwell already. It was Larry Bird. You know, Larry Bird was the difference between a bad team and an, and a Eastern Conference finalist team. Just him, you know? So it, it's just, we just, we get these blinders on about what we see and you go back to the numbers and people, you know, people want to talk about LeBron and they want to talk about MJ. And I agree. LeBron has, has probably, you know, surpassed what a lot of what Bird has done. And that's controversial of itself. But the gap between LeBron and Bird isn't that deep. <laughs> you know, I mean, three time MVP, you know, <laughs> three time NBA champion, uh, you know, five time NBA finalist, uh, a, you know, dream team, blah, 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 blah. And I dragged mean, his butt for the last couple seasons. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing, you know, and, it, and, like, and, and again, awesome. that's all part of it, but, and that's, I guess maybe that's where you take your hat off to LeBron, but, but sure. you also have to take your hat off to just science, right? Like these guys weren't making this kind of money. No. The game wasn't making this kind of money. Right. You know, their conditioning and everything was really left up to them and, and maybe, uh, you know, a personal trainer. I mean, what sports science has gone through. Since that time, who knows? Maybe they would have kept Larry in a completely different physical condition. Not because Larry wasn't a worker and didn't eat right or, and maybe he didn't. I have no idea, you know, but remember guys back then were smoking cigarettes and drinking beers. You know what I mean? And nobody, (laughs) nobody in the NBA, I'm not saying that they're not doing some of that, but most of the, you know, the margin, you know, in the league for performance, many of them are following the Ray Allen. You know, sort of eating very healthy, shying away from alcohol. And I'm not saying they don't tip a few back, but, but I would say I bet they limited it extensively. Um, and, uh, and we know many, I mean, I think Tommy was a smoker through most of his season. I mean, most of his career. Oh yeah. I think playing most of career. Those guys, most of those guys yeah. were smoking on right. the bench, smoking in the locker room, smoking. I mean, and you're right. It was different. It's a very different league. You know, Larry hurts his back trying to, you know, tar his, his, his mother's driveway. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, LeBron's not out there, you know, yeah. tar the driveway or no. whatever. He's you still know. in the school, but he's not mixing concrete. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, that, that's the difference. Bird is in the middle of his MVP run, and he's tarring his mom's driveway. He clearly had the money to do it. And LeBron's building schools. That just shows you. But LeBron's not building schools without Larry Bird winning three MVPs and going ahead to head with Magic. So. Yeah. Popularizing the game on a whole new level. Right. But in terms of like what's going on in the game, you know, it's just this craziness to me that like we just somehow forget how good Larry Bird was. You know, we just want to kind of gloss it over and be like, well, you know, and yeah, they weren't as good. You know, they did not play defense like the way they do now. They, they, you know, the sixties, those guys could not shoot. There's a reason why Russell had 50 rebounds in a game. So no one could make a damn shot, you know? But see, that's but, why I like the plus minus because I think it puts the era into context. You know, even though I get it, it was a high flying, high scoring era. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So maybe that inflates the plus minus a little bit there, but it really shouldn't because the other team can hit shots just the same way. You know what I mean? When you come off the floor and it's seven point differential for a career, that's disgusting. I think, you know, it would come out in the wash if they wasn't really that much of an impact, but you know, the, 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 the high scoring, high flying, you know, again, if there's more of an emphasis on on offense, 
that should be noted. If there's more of an emphasis on defense, that should be noted. Yeah, maybe there's less scoring in the game, so the plus-minus is inflated a little bit based on that era. But look at the next number. I think you said the next person was Isaiah at four, right? Uh, where were we? Which one were we talking about? The plus minus. Oh, the, the well, plus minus was seven, seven point two for Larry. You yeah. said, yeah, but see that that's the box plus minus. They didn't have those numbers in the sixties. So, you, you know, the oldest we're leaving guy a group out. Back. Yeah, we're you're leaving, leaving out, out Russell. So if you look at wind shares, wind shares is probably the easiest way because that does go back, uh, you know, all the way. And you know, you got Easy Ed McCauley, Isaiah Bird, Russell Garnett. That to me seems like a pretty fair representation, particularly the three, four, and five of guys who played a long time in, in green. It, it captures what they did. Uh, and you know, there's a bit of an outlier, a bit with Isaiah, I think, in the short time he was here. And you probably could say the same of Easy Ed McCauley. But, you know, that's, it does kind of. Well, you could definitely adjust to that for certain years. Well, to the to the whole point about Garnett, it's not even a valid conversation because Garnett didn't spend his career here. You know what I mean? Um, Even his better years, um, you know, many of his most talented years. But there is that there there's that aspect, and it's an important aspect. And so, you know, even if you try to put it in context, it's not it's not fair, right? You can't, you know, so so. Where's Shaq? Like I said, but here's the other one. You know, take Garnett's, what was it? Five seasons? Six? Yeah. yeah. Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, six. Yeah. Six. Take his six and then go, you know, and we know a couple of those were bad because of injury and whatever, you mm-hmm. know, but, but compare him to Larry's final six, you know, maybe do it that way, you know, or yeah. not. You know what I mean? Like take two years. If you take the, what was it? Two years in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. For for KG and then one in Minnesota, but the one in Minnesota, I think we could throw out in general, right? Because it was kind of not really a year. But if we take the two years in Brooklyn, take the last two years off of Larry Bird's, and then compare six against six, mm-hmm. you know, that's the meat and potatoes of Larry's career, right, right there. Yeah, yeah. You're throwing away two tough years, the same two tough yeah. years for Garnett. Yeah, I mean, you know, only you put him in Brooklyn, you know, where he kind of takes it off a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, he suffers through little injuries. Larry does a little bit along the way, but you compare those six and six, it's, it's going in Bird's favor. So you, yeah, you do that and both, if you did that, taking that six year stretch, you're saying, well, yes, Garnett had the knee one year, Bird had the, the Achilles. So kind of the injuries somewhat wash out. So you're taking the 90 season, the 89, which is the washout, 88, 87, 86, 85. Two of those three years, Larry Bird was the league's MVP. One of them, he had one of the greatest seasons in NBA history. Yep. Um, 88, he was statistically phenomenal. <laughs> Went to the finals three of those, of those six years. Yep. Those six years, meat and potatoes of his career. Same for Garnett. Pretty tough. He, Pretty tough. He has an injury. Yeah. I just don't think it's there. And, and KG, I know you don't listen to the show. He but doesn't. Buddy, but I still, you're still a favorite. You're we still a big time favorite. Yeah, you I'm know. sorry. You're not. Please, wondering. please yeah. don't take offense because, <laughs> man, <laughs> when he's definitely number one on my character list. I mean, there's no doubt. There's the personality, you know, like I'm drawn to KG probably more than even as much as I love Paul Pierce. I'm drawn to KG's personality and his attitude. I like it. You know, it reminds me of me at work. It's just, I, 
That, that's my wait, guy. Wait, that's wait, my wait. Guy. You go to work, you start like yelling at people and like beating your chest. You do all that. I can give you references. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I really like that. You go up, you start headbutting the wall outside your, your coworker's office. You're, you know, it's, it's pointing really- to people before the day starts. <laughs> Dude, it's really close to that. that. I want video. Make this happen. That's the All next right. YouTube clip from right. Something Stuff Live. Yep, it'll happen. Justin right, K. Gene is way in the office. It's got to happen. <laughs> Dude, you have no idea. I mean, like, literally, I could go on a roll. Nobody wants to hear it. But, yeah, I absolutely. I don't know. <laughs> I absolutely approach work like KG. From from the way I drive to everything. I mean, yeah, there's pointing. <laughs> You're gonna get, dude. You're gonna get those thousand followers here pretty quick if you do a video acting like KG at the office. Just saying, uh, you know. All right, so I'm gonna close on this. I was at <laughs> new hire sales training. We're conducting the sales training for new hires at the company, and um, we're getting ready to go out to dinner. And we're sitting in the lobby, and all of a sudden, I see Kenny Maine's face, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, ESPN Sports Center. It's been a while, Kenny. How you doing?" And it's like this, I can't remember what it is, because I don't even have cable at home. I just happen to be in the hotel lobby. Mm-hmm. And they're doing all these, like, weird sports. And one of them is rock, paper, scissors. And it's a sport. And there's a referee in pinstripes. Oh, yes. And, and I'm just telling you, we all sat there and laughed, because I started doing commentary of what they might be saying, because it was muted while they're doing it. And I'm telling you, it, it's... That's a YouTube video that has to happen. The snarky parody Listen. of the rock, paper, scissors tournament. Well, what a that joke, was, dude. That was what the Ocho joke. for yeah, eight, the Ocho. Eight. It was yeah. the Ocho. So, you know, listen, I, there was, so there were some people there that were not qualified to do announcing. So I'd, I'd send a reel into ESPN. You might, for the next, no, 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 no. I just want to make fun happen. of them. No, I want to, yeah. I, Mystery just, Science just, Theater 3000 for yes. the Ocho. Yes. You know? That's what's gotta happen. Send in the real man. I mean, dude, seriously, like one of them was like rock, 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 and I was like, what is that? Oh, number seven. Like, there's statistics on this stuff, right? Really, like, dude. If he goes rock five times in a row, you know he's going scissors next. Wow. No, there's not really I, statistics, but there is there in my be. YouTube parody world. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, that is not interesting enough to be on TV. It is not. It's Rock, sure. paper, scissors, shoot, you don't get shotgun, right? Like, that's what that is. This is not a tournament. It does not have a pinstripe referee. Like, serious. Oh, oh man. It's one, two, three, shoot, not one, two, three, shoot. Like, I mean, seriously, what do you have to officiate? And the guy is so serious, John. Like, he is, like, hovering over the hands, intensely watching, like, their timing. It is, it is mind-numbingly, like, weird. This is why Dodgeball the movie was so good. I yes. mean, you know, that that's that's why it was it's magical and but it may spur this to be a real thing and and yep. you may have found your calling. Yeah, I definitely need to make parody <laughs> videos of the Ocho. All right. That that's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live 
on iTunes and Stitcher. We've also added it on Google Play and Spotify. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.